administered by Desert Pines High School. Hosted by Philip Adizan. KJAG Radio presents to you Jag in the Dark. Formatted Barn sat quietly different parties. parties. He waited for his partner to arrive. Enjoy. They were both detectives, and Robert had been sent to meet. The witch and the wedding cake. Her name in hushed by Christian Wallace. Found on creepypasta.fandom.com. Barn sat quietly in the car as he waited for his partner to arrive. They were both detectives, and Robert had been sent to meet him with an old woman who, it was believed, would Robert offer the information necessary to solve a crime. And wormed his way slowly through Robert had furiously worked for many weeks to find out who the Wittick woman was. He had heard her name in hushed whispers throughout the ranks of London for some years, but had never realized why she had the reputation she had. In particular, there was an order of addicts who occupied a derelict tower block in central London who had first led him to the woman. Robert had once gained a vital piece of information and wormed his way slowly throughout the building with its ranted stained walls and cracked flaky paint. Rats scuttled away from each corner that he turned, and the elevator had piles of trash laying against each wall. He had entered the place slowly to solely follow up on a lead, but became increasingly concerned as to why no other police officers showed any interest in entering the place. It was clearly a hive of crime. There were other voices too. As he had shuffled carefully along no, some of the hallway God. towards the specific flat he had remit to enter, he, he noticed the door quick open. From it emerged the face of a teenage girl. Robert would have guessed she was around 14, with a cracked smile and missing teeth. It was as Robert tried she cackled hilariously and slammed the door shut. You could hear the child howl with laughter from behind the door. There were other voices too. She was no older than his daughter, but he couldn't stop. He had to move forward, and when he did, he finally reached his target and kicked the door down. He found an emaciated young girl, around 19, with a lingering pulse. It was as Robert tried to resuscitate her that the life within faded into nothingness. Her pale blue eyes never once glanced up or fixed themselves upon Robert during the final moments. As he cradled her, he had tried to wrap his coat around her for warmth. Looking over her emaciated frame, he initially assumed she was another addict, and as he stumbled, he might have been able to assist him in the murder with a tremendous sense of loss and anger. But as he stared at her, it became clear. Despite the gummy mouth and missing teeth, the branded scars and the painful sagging eyes, this girl was the missing medical student he had been looking for. The injuries were a calling card of a serial killer that had been stuck in the country during the last few years. She proceeded to expire in Robert's arms. And as he stumbled out of the block, clutching her in his arms with a tremendous sense of loss and anger, he saw the wretched, greasy little face of the child emerge once more. She looked for a moment as though she were prepared to throw something at him, something that Robert could not see. But when she glimpsed, the young girl leant back and said, Ask Mrs. Wittick about that, and disappeared immediately. Recognizing the name, Robert had pressed his older partner Martin about the woman. 
presiding. It had taken weeks, but Martin had finally revealed Martin that the woman, the through means totally unknown, would be day. able to offer information to anyone who knew a certain phrase a full and was willing to pay a price. Sudden vibration in his pocket. Robert had initially jumped into the car weeks later, ready to make the drive to Glasgow and left with a wad of twenty pound notes. But Martin had sighed and called Robert. And looking Robert up, in the eye, the car he made it clear that the price would be something altogether unique to that individual. Martin was now sat in the car, having the driven to Glasgow in a single day, waiting patiently. It had been a full eight hours when he felt a sudden vibration in his pocket. There were only a few short, sharp buzzes before the number quit and left a missed call, but Martin immediately knew what it meant. The missed call was from Robert. He sat up, left the car, and walked towards the immense concrete totem that stood in the midst of an abandoned industrial estate. Immediately, Martin reached down he entered the building, which he knew he took housed nothing but Mrs. Wittig was invested towards the elevator. He hoped he wouldn't have to enter the room with both Robert and Evelyn present, but nonetheless shocked when the elevator doors opened. Robert revealed Robert. It was at the stage where Martin appeared mentally broken, dirty, and weeping profusely with a phone clutched in one hand and a plastic bag full of clothes in the other. Immediately, Martin reached down and began to help him. He took Martin no care to keep himself clean, but was invested only in helping the younger man. He walked the limping man to a nearby bench in a hallway where he knelt down and began to dress him. Robert stared only at the wall ahead. It was at the stage where Martin had rolled a damp sweat-soaked sock up and was preparing to slide it over Robert's foot that Robert reached out, quivering, and stopped him. He took the sock and began to dress himself. Martin stood up and waited patiently and even offered his coat to wipe up the mess. It was clear of an hour when, having finally dressed himself, Robert spoke. I, I don't understand, he said. I don't get it. What happened? Martin began to ask before stopping himself. He decided to ask. What did she tell you? She told me we'd find him in the Billington pump station. Martin slid his hands into his pockets and nodded. Good, he said. That's what we came here for. I don't get how she made me, Robert said before suddenly sputtering and bursting out into tears. It's okay, Martin said, reaching down. No, it's not, Robert screamed, pushing Martin away. You knew, Martin stepped back and held up his hands. I didn't know anything, Robert. Yes, you did, Robert sobbed through snot and tears. You and all of them in that precinct. Martin knelt down and pushed aside Robert's weak attempts to slap him away. Instead, he pulled a young man into a close embrace and held him. Robert fought for a moment before eventually relenting. You made the decision to do what we How did she make me do those things? You did sobbed into Martin charge, not what? her. What is she? Not the first. Robert asked. I don't know, Martin shrugged. No one Martin knows. Shoulders. But look, Martin said, pulling Robert up from his shoulders so that they made eye contact. Don't ask that, Martin said. No one will ever know, yeah? You understand? You're not the first person to go up to her for help, and you won't be the last. You won't ever need to tell anyone what she did. You made the decision to now, do what was necessary to solve the case. You did that. Don't You're in charge, not her. I gotta ask. I'm not the first. Take Robert asked as he tried to wipe away the snot he had left on Martin's shoulder. Qualifications of a nurse. No, Martin answered. He can help. Have you? He can. We don't ask that. Martin, Martin snapped. Said. You understand? Him and he can patch you up. Don't ask anyone or if they've seen her. They'll never ask you. Robert nodded and as Robert he struggled to keep his breath under control. Under his arm now, Martin continued. I gotta ask. Don't make a thing of it, okay? But I gotta ask. Robert, I can take you to a guy three blocks away, only the a dentist, with qualifications of a nurse. He can help. He can. He thought of the man they'd catch. Martin sighed. Punish him for the crimes he had. I can take you to him, and he can patch Someone. you up. Or I can take you to a hotel, and he can have a shower. When Robert gave his answer, Martin nodded and reached under his arm and began to pull him to his feet. Stepped into. 
Together, the two men began to shuffle towards the door, and from which escape had felt Robert, close to passing out, imagined only the damaged and broken corpse of the young girl who slumbered in the rice and failed to save Martin. Before he first he thought of the man they'd catch the and punish him for the crimes he committed. Dismissed it as a joke. But somewhere, deep in his head, he could not escape the actions of Evelyn Whitting. He struggled to connect the nightmarish and feverish warped reality that he had stepped into in that flat atop the block, and from which escape had felt like an elated and long-forgotten dream. Older than the but he remembered clearly some words of advice said to him by the wise Martin before he Martin first left the car earlier that day. Forth against the boot of his At the time, he had dismissed it as a joke. But having faced the woman and survived, the words did not stop ringing through his ears even more hours later. She's everything she says she is, he watched Martin the light told him. She is everything she appears to be. She is Evelyn. She is older than the written word. for Evelyn Critic's accommodation. Carefully managed a Martin bounced his bump gently back and forth against the boot of his car as he watched. It was dark and the pump ground away silently behind him while he peered out from the hill towards the distant skyline of London's suburb. He watched the lights carefully for a moving pair that signaled the arrival of the woman. Many years ago, he had been contacted by the woman who paid for Evelyn Blake's accommodation. He carefully managed a plan of containment. It is thus spread around the Metropolitan by police as a joke during the 70s. It was a funny sight in that everyone passed it around as a quirky and a weird anecdote, but they still handed them out each and every year, and if you refused to take the booklet, or if you refused to read it, they would come back and give you a new one the following day. The plan was terrifying if it was meant to be taken seriously. It disgusted the need to contain nuclear weapons in Scotland to contain the threat should it ever leave. The deliberate eradication of Glasgow struck Martin as a bit extreme, but it all made sense when he finally met the people responsible for the leaflet in real life. They stank of ambivalence. The woman had approached him in a cafe and made it clear that it was she who he was supposed to meet. She was in possession of an angular face that was so long and gaunt with a large, good nose. She was, for the most part, a pretty and young woman. But after she told him what she was, he couldn't help but laugh at the congruence of her appearance and her acclaimed occupation. I'm a witch, she had said. He suddenly imagined her atop a broom and couldn't stop giggling quietly to himself. Most people react like this, she muttered, while she waited for him to catch his breath. It's fine, he answered. I've met Evelyn. I buy it, I really do. After that, the woman had treated him with suspicion, but she seemed to accept his candid belief in her claims. She proceeded to inform him in detail that certain areas, specifically Billington Pump Station, were considered part of her group's jurisdiction and should not be investigated without her presence. Why she insisted this, she would not say, but Martin suspected it was something to do with the rumors of missing children and shifting piles of bones, which sang the most entrancing songs. What's the kelp? Robert asked suddenly, as he limped slowly up to Martin, who was pulled from his thoughts and forced to pay attention to the man beside him. What? He asked. The kelp, Robert repeated, as he awkwardly shifted to a glance of his own. I was told to watch out for him. She called him Bronwyn. She didn't have to use that. Why do you ask? Martin Robert added. She told like me to watch out for him. Robert said again. I mean, she did. Rung a little terse. She could just After it all happened. She must have liked you, Martin replied. You can't stop. And I mean, it's one She didn't have to use that voice of hers much, Robert added. I felt like she could have made me do anything. I mean, she did. She could just tell the whole world to vanish and they would.
Once you hear her, you can't stop. And I mean, it's one thing to tell a man to jump so she told you to watch out jump. Kill, right? It's another thing to tell him to Martin walk through walls and for him to do it. She must have liked you a lot. It's a powerful curse well, she can put on you. Martin, Martin nodded. Began to answer him. Yeah, well, I stopped Onwind fighting. Or we continue. I grew numb. You thought it was a nightmare. I don't know. She liked that I stopped fighting. She, she told me she liked downright eldritch abomination. Her currency is consent. So she told you to watch out for the Kelde. One that was Robert Nadi. The Egyptians were still She must have liked you a lot. Well, Martin said as he began to answer him. Ronwin's a mythical figure from Welsh lore. He turns up in the Scottish and Irish pantheons too. Robert asked. Sometimes he's a trickster. Sometimes he's a downright eldritch abomination. Ronwin. Most Welsh stories depict him as a traitor who wrecked some prehistoric golden age kingdom. One that was built when the Egyptians were still learning how to stand up. The Scottish tend to portray him as a monster that lived in caves and traded women's lives for the tanned hide of a newborn. How do you know all of this then? Robert asked. Martin laughed and removed the pocket out of his coat with a well-read leather-bound book titled Bronwyn. All the Celtic said. It was in his car, Martin scoffed. Robert responded with a gentle laugh. And besides, she must have met him. Martin put to the building behind him. Watch out for the Celt, yeah? I wouldn't worry about the details well, of it. he got away. So she Down wasn't there, wrong to say you should have watched him. My God, Robert sighed as he thumbed through the pages. You Why think this is where he got his inspiration from? All this time, and I never thought to pick up a history book. That's not a history book. It's dated 1734. And besides, what? Martin said Robert as he finally laid his eyes upon Robert the sight of a car bumbling on the gravel path. I wouldn't worry about the details of it. This, okay? He's just down there, just and our guide's finally just arrived. You've come so far. Let's go catch him. We need to catch this guy. And why didn't you call me sooner? Goldman said as he walked them into the pump station. We pulled up. This place belongs to us, and I should have known straight away if you thought this guy was bothering their precious The what? Robert asked. Robert, are you going to said, holding his hand out to the young detective. Robert, who looked. Let's not do this, okay? Just, just go with it, yeah? You've come so far. We need to catch this guy. And you. Look, she said. Martin said, speaking curtly to the woman. We pulled up, he spotted us, and ran. We went through his car. No one went in without your precious oversight, okay? What about you? Are you gonna be okay? Martin said, turning to Robert, who looked to the young woman up and down. She's wearing heels, he said. The, metal the woman looked down to her feet, and then to Martin, who rolled his eyes. Look, she said, as he took her designer handbag and removed a pair of trainings. It's late, I wasn't exactly prepared. Oh, Robert groaned. That makes sense. Yeah, Martin said, exasperated. He opened the door and quickly gestured for Robert and the woman to go on ahead. The pass from that point was a strange and awkwardly silent descent through the metal and stonework tunnels that layered down through London's ancient foundations. Unknown to many, the numerous buried rivers concreted over a century before during the great stink of 1858 as a part of a renewed effort to clean the dams of human influence. It was into one of the tributaries of the Fleet Street River that these three descended. These tunnels were long since abandoned remnants of nature that had been buried, industrialized, and brutalized. Martin, meanwhile, fumbled with I think we all were inappropriate footwear, and groaned as he stood in the ankle-high muddy brown water that flooded over his formal shoes. Robert, too, could not help but grunt in discomfort as a wet sensation that enveloped his feet. Jesus, Martin scoffed. It's warm. It's poop, the woman quipped as she stomped past them. Why is she here? Robert asked as she turned a corner up ahead. 
Chris joins up Martin, meanwhile, fumbled with his flashlight before throwing Robert one of his own. There was a brief moment where the woman's light source faded into nothingness, while only Martin's weaker flashlight left to illuminate them. For a moment, the pair were forced to stand alone in the silent, cramped tunnel that rolled off into a slanted blanket of darkness. Look at it, Martin said once they had both their lights pointed up ahead. This joins up with the Fleet Street River which runs all the way to the sea, and that freak upstairs has worked here all his life. We need someone who knows the place. Could hear the woman up ahead. Yeah, but why her? Robert asked once more. Straightened out. Because Aaron Decker isn't the only ghoul down here. Trust me. And the haunting. The server's old in London, and it weren't happy to be buried by it either. The short reach of their light. snapped in reply. He seemed uncomfortable at the way that the light of their flashlights bounced up from the slosh of water and refracted along the crumbling walls around the curved into an arc above an oxygen tank. They could hear the woman up ahead. Her palms over. Even see her when the tunnel straightened out. But overall, the quiet trickling of the water by their feet and the haunting echoes of their voices were the only thing they could hear. The short reach of their light, which fell upon either brown walls or brown water, was all they could see. Martin sat down in front of the old woman. She was seated back in a large recliner with an oxygen tank wired to her nose. Her palms overlapped gently atop her belly as she gazed off towards the TV in the corner of the room, calmly breathing through the strange tubes with a distant, almost death-like smile. She appeared to Martin as a totem of patience and sheer will. What do you know about Alron, then? She thought you he asked. That the, ritual the woman remained stopped. still and did not respond. Stopped honoring him. Martin chuckled to himself the and reached across to a nearby black coffee he made and took a sip. Mom told me, he quipped with a gesture after neatly placing it down on the coffee table with a clink. About your time in Indonesia? She told me to tell you that they brought the house down now. It's me. The one who had built by them villagers long ago. She thought you want to know that the, the rituals there have stopped. They've stopped honoring him. The old woman's smile faded, and she looked down her nose towards Martin with a grimace. She sat up and brushed her floor dress down with her hands. Who are you then? She snapped. My God, you can't be. Martin burst out into a loud guffaw. It's me, he answered. It's Martin. Mom's worried about you, Nan. The old woman stared at Martin for a while. You're a funny looking one, she said. You're not here now. ginger, and that hairline, and a mustache. I don't... Who are you? She asked me to sort this out, and I am. Evelyn said with a moment of recollection. My God, you can't be him. You're so old. Mom's worried about you, Martin repeated. I'm here to sort a few things out, okay? Why she send you then? You think she'd have time to come see me? She's not here, Nan. Martin told her, taking another sip from his coffee. She's busy. But she asked me to sort this out, and I am. All of us have a lot of concerns. Why? Martin leaned as he looked around the decrepit flat. Why should I leave? Assume you're here as part of some grieving process. Yeah, I know, Martin. I mean, they reckon they've got you trapped, but that's not true, is it? You just came here and sat as they built this place around. All happy to sit back and wait and relax. Jesus, Nan, how long has it been? This Ugh! It's now becoming a risk. Get away! Oh, you bloody old woman! Shouted. Scourge of Britain! I'm waiting. Threw it all away for some gold, and you never cared about me. Why should I listen? No, why should I even trust you? Yeah, I know, Martin told her. None of that's important, though. We need to talk about what you were going to do. We were all happy to sit back and wait and relax while you let all of this pass, but it's now becoming a risk. Oh, you bloody kids, she interrupted with a wave of her hand. I'm waiting, she cried. I'm waiting for him. None of you could ever appreciate that. Martin looked sad and gazed away through the window, 
Ned's crying out loud in Skyline. Skyline. He's not around and he's definitely not in charge anymore. Nen, he Ned, said, he's even you're gonna stopped, pass away. The woman shouted. You can't give birth to yourself again. Waited too long, you're all I'm shriveled up. Said come What's it matter, she argued. I'll just die and go off into his world, right. and then we can both trot on over. Across to a place I, I used to die all the time. Nan, Fine. Martin cried. Nan, for crying out loud, he's gone. He's not around, and he's definitely not in charge anymore. And that if he's even stuck, the old woman shouted. She brought a hand to her mouth, and tears welled up in her eyes. I'm waiting. He said he'll come meet me here, and he'll come. I buggered it all up. Right, all those Mine's millennia setting of hard work across, across to a place hand on the old woman's lap. She motioned towards her That's fine. Body. Mom sent me here to sort it all out, okay? Yeah, I'm going to get you a new body, yeah. There are plenty of it won't be yours, but it'll keep you alive, and what's important is that you're safe. That's more important than the bloodline. Oh, the old woman began to sob. I buggered it all up. All those millennia of hard work, and it'll just go away with this. She motioned towards her frail and feeble body. It's all part of the plan, Martin. It doesn't matter, Martin said firmly. Mom said they yeah, it's a loss for the family, but there are plenty of us, and your blood will live on in us. What's most important is that you stay here, with us. No one likes I'm going to bring your body right here. You won't have to tell me. You won't have to move. But I need it. I just I need to find it. I need to find that buddy, all Ron thing of yours. Oh, that? My buddy dryly. Why on earth do you want that? Shimmering tree. It's all part of the plan, Martin nodded. You built it piece by piece, just for Mom said they... Big foul woman, the woman hissed. Stealing a woman's bloody wedding gift. I don't know. Yeah, Martin continued. You mentioned no one likes the plan. You don't have to tell me. But I need it, and I need to find it. It was my wedding gift, the old woman came told him in a shrill plea. My wedding gift from one of your father's friends. The shimmering tree, I think we called him. He built it piece by piece, just for me. Big and ugly thing it was. still crying. Yeah, but what is it? I don't know, she answered briskly. Mentioned music, but I like tossing people in there, seeing what came out. I don't know, with her hand to her temple. They came out different. They don't always put them together quite right. Sometimes it eats people. Slowly, the woman cried. You'll find it, and they're still crying. Might just be brainstorming by now, of course. Point was, though, it broke it down, but real slow. Why? Time Martin replied quizzically. I don't know, she cried in answer. It's not about purpose sometimes, Ron. Don't you know that? Sometimes go now. Sometimes it's about the art. I'll give all Ron something new. Right. Martin said, standing up. You get your body. Good. Great actually. Better knowing you've got something young. She'll come out if she thinks some guy's been speaking to Alron. I know some weirdo in the pumps where it lives. About time he did something useful. Martin mused as quietly to himself before looking up to his grandmother. Speaking once more in a reassuring tone. With you. I need to go now, okay? Martin I'll give all Ron something new to chew on. You'll get your body, and Mom will sleep better knowing you've got something young to say. Martin stood up and began to leave when the old woman reached out and gripped his arm as he passed. She looked at him with a strange earlier green. Speaking of which, Martin she has gently at the corpse before him. You couldn't send me up some cum, I was not with you. Nice young lad, maybe. Martin laughed warmly and reached down to touch her I think I know the guy. Martin shrugged as he stared at the corpse before him. That was unexpected. Robert was panting breathlessly in the corner. 
Peter started choking. Tried to speak out, but Martin reached out to signal the need for silence before stepping forward and kicking the large corpse onto his back. The mouth was covered in foam and his face was blue. What? Robert gasped. I guess he really did need this. Martin chuckled as he turned to Robert and held up an asthma pump he'd found in the killer's car. We fought, not meant to be this hard breathing heavily out of the corner of a small room in which they stood. She just, she liked it. He just started choking, this grabbing his throat. Robert stood forward and kicked Kilmer's corpse. I get it, Martin said. Thing is, though, mentioned some he was the Oran's dinner. That brand muffin. The what? And Robert Gasters ran off. Ugh. Martin groaned to himself. And then he took the chance. We're gonna to catch the guy, feed him to the Oran, and walk yeah, away with that Martin. silly woman. Yeah, it was not meant to be this hard to bring her out of hiding. Figured it out. The woman, Robert cried. What out? She, she liked it. This Robert stood forward and kicked the killer's corpse. Very little effort. This man he mentioned some dancing bones and that bran muffin. And Robert he just shoulder. ran off. Almost without aiming. And then he took Before the chance and tried to choking me out. Ground. If you can believe it. Sorry. Yeah, Martin griped. Yeah, I can. Expression. I wonder if she figured it out. Pleasant. Figured what Robert out? Lay Robert laid shot. He watched Martin, Martin took a deep breath inside as, as he pinched the bridge of his nose. Wobble and fade. With very little effort, he reached down to his hip where he felt his own and hit Robert right in the shoulder, disbelief, almost without aiming, before running over to lay him gently on the ground. Not even trying to reach Sorry, to he whispered, and with an uncomfortable Martin, expression. Sudden betrayal was this won't be pleasant. Robert lay there in shock. He watched Martin leave the room through the only door as he had felt his vision wobble and fade. He gasped for breath and reached down to his thigh, where he felt his own. It was in total disbelief of what had just happened. But quickly came like to regret not pulse, even trying to reach down to his hip and get back at Martin, whose sudden betrayal was only just setting in. Suddenly a strange and plentiful piping music washed up and filled the room. As his lungs filled with blood, Robert felt almost relieved at the sound, but then he looked down and laid eyes upon it. It was a quivering mass of bones stitched together with fleshy polyps that popped and blistered with running pus. They were like translucent bulbs held aloft by twitching veins of meat while squeezed on all sides by a haphazard collection of ivory shapes too abstract to have come from anything alive. He crawled over to Robert as he felt the tendons slither out and wind up his forearm. There was a momentary sensation of soothing elation. The pain from his wound eased and Robert felt his chest lighten and his lungs clear. But then the veins grew taut and aggressive. In a long time, they started to pluck away like piano strings cut under tension. And as it whipped back, they tore ribbons of skin and muscle loading. There was a brief moment of near-paralytic silence as Robert gazed upwards from his arm only to see the jumbled pile of bones quiver and rise up. It displayed the ribbed folds of a cartilage mouth lined with fist-sized molars before suddenly leaping at Robert to consume it in terrible, mangled scream. Been a long time, Martin cried down the empty Come on, he cried. The woman lay hidden in some inlet. Bronn went frantic, and her clothes soaking wet and cold. Don't you recognize me, do you? He cried. Don't worry. She heard him cry from within the abyss. It's eating poor Robert. He'll be coming to you for a while. It's, uh... He likes to play with his food, though, of course. You know that, don't you? Come on, he cried once more. Come out! Bronn went to look at you. The woman lay shivering and thought of these violent, brazen images carved into the ancient tombs she had studied as a child. Both man and myth and long since forgotten, Ronin was one of Evelyn's many heirs. He had ransacked much of Europe as a young man and robbed the continent of the right to civilization as the Middle East rose up with the great nations of its time. He was supposedly born in the ancient spires of forgotten Hyporia and served as antecedent to its total destruction. 
You know, he possessed none of Evelyn's guile, but many within her society had postulated about his paternal lineage, either direct or once removed, which had been used to occasionally justify his status as a demigod. Regardless of the specifics, he was a strange and enigmatic figure whose legacy's erasure was welcomed by anyone who knew of his accomplishments. Martin, however, remembered things slightly different. You know, he said as he trudged down the tunnel against the slow river current towards the woman. She held her breath and waited in desperate hope that the inlet might hide her. Though, to her right, she was blocked by rigid and rusted iron bars that lent to her a sense of despair. I tried the superhero. This concludes our 30-minute Halloween I didn't get a lot of attention, though. I mean, try going to the police with a... Jack I was terrified by a man in a Batman suit. You hope have to admit, you enjoyed though, the Batman suit made it better. One thinks I could have been doing better things with my life. But we'll show you next never for episode, episode 7. This concludes our 30-minute Halloween special on. for our 6th episode of Jag in the Dark. Hope you enjoyed a very happy Spooky Halloween. We'll see you next week for episode 7. And this has been your host, Philip Addison. Only on. Jack in the Dark.